Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This podcast follows along with our church-wide reading plan, which walks you through the entire New Testament and gives you an overview of the Old Testament. Join us as we dive into God's life-changing Word together. Hello and welcome back to the BAC podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Pastor Ryan. How you doing today, Pastor Ryan? I'm doing good. That's good. Well, we're still continuing our journey through the New Testament. This week, we're reading James 3 through Galatians 2. So I think, Pastor Ryan, I think we'll kind of recap James just a little bit. We don't have to spend a, a ton of time here, but then we will intro Galatians and, and kind of go from there. Sure. All right. Well, first, the book of James, remember, again, this is the brother of Jesus that we're talking about here, okay? This isn't James the apostle. This is James, the brother of Jesus. And remember, we said that he is one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church, and he's writing to a a broadly Jewish audience. And I just wanted to give a little bit more background on, on kind of what the church was facing at this time. We didn't really touch on this last week. So he's writing to a Jewish audience, but the church at this time, especially the the church in Jerusalem, was facing some pretty tough circumstances. So there were some bad famines going on during this time, and those famines were leading to poverty. Mm. And then along with that, of course, you have persecution going on for their faith, and that persecution is ultimately what got James killed. So when, when you keep that background in mind, these famines and this poverty and, and this persecution, it, it kind of gives new perspective when James says things like in, in chapter one, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Kind of gives you a, a new perspective and appreciation for what he's saying there. He's telling us how to live out our faith practically, even in the midst of trials. And what was happening, too, at this time is it seems that some churches or Christians were starting to face division and some disagreements. So he's reminding them, hey, we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Mm. To have division among us is not acceptable because faith, true faith, always leads to works. And he says in various ways that our faith should demonstrate itself in our lives. So for example, our faith should be demonstrated in how we talk. James spends a good portion of chapter three and and chapter four talking about taming the tongue and how we should love others with our words. And he also talks about how our our faith should be demonstrated in, in how we care for the poor as well. And he says our faith should be demonstrated in how we pray. He says our trials should drive us to to prayer. And one verse I wanted to point out here, Pastor Ryan, and feel free to jump in if you have anything to add. Sure. One verse I wanted to point out was chapter 5, verse 16. James says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power. And this has always been a verse that has stood out to me, but this really hit me when I read through it this time. And I was thinking, when, we, when we're when we not praying, because there are times when we're all not praying as much as we should be or, or we have a seemingly prayerless life, when we're not praying, it, it's kind of a sign that we don't think prayer is effective. We don't think it makes a difference. 
But God has chosen to accomplish his purposes through prayer. He doesn't have to respond to our prayers, but he graciously chooses to do that. And he graciously chooses to accomplish his purposes through prayer. But as James says in chapter 4, verse 3, our prayers have to have the right motive as well. He says we need to ask in accordance with God's will. So God isn't just some cosmic genie who grants our every selfish desire. But when our prayers are in accordance with his will, prayer is powerful Mm. and effective. It, It really makes a difference. The kingdom of God will only advance on its knees. So I just wanted to remind us of that. Prayer is so foundational to everything that we do in the Christian life. Are there any thoughts you wanted to add there, Pastor Ryan? Just one thing that uh, spoke to me in James is as a church, we actually practice where in James 5.14 it says, um, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Mm. And so uh, we do have a practice of that where sometimes when people are sick, they'll actually call upon the elders, and the elders will spend some time praying over them and also anointing them with oil. Mm -hmm. There's nothing magic in the oil itself. It's just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Right. So the oil is a a representation of the the Spirit's healing power. Yes. The Spirit's special presence with that person. There's nothing magical about the anointing oil. Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, any other thoughts on the book of James? No, it's real good. All right, well, let's move on to Galatians then. That's the next book in our reading plan. And just to give kind of some background here on the book of Galatians, Paul, of course, is the author of Galatians, and he most likely wrote this after his first missionary journey, so somewhere around the late 40s A.D. And remember, the book of Acts tells us that Paul went on several different missionary journeys, but during his first missionary journey— He went through uh, several cities in the province of Galatia with Barnabas. Mm -hmm. And I I think we should clarify here, Pastor Ryan, sometimes we throw out these names, but geography in the ancient world can sometimes be a little bit tricky. (laughs) Yeah. So just to clarify, Galatia was a province within the Roman Empire. Right. So the Roman Empire is in control of this part of the world at this time in the first century, and the Roman Empire had different provinces within it. Kind of like how in the United States we have different states. It's not exactly the same, but you can kind of think of it that way. It's all under the Roman Empire, but there's different provinces. Galatia is one. You'll also hear of provinces like uh, Judea, Samaria, Galilee. We hear a lot about those in the life of Jesus. So Galatia, this would be more like modern-day Turkey, sort of that region. So Paul went through Galatia with Barnabas on his first missionary journey, and they planted some churches there. But then almost immediately after Paul returned from this journey, what happened is these false teachers come in behind him. And they start, one, trying to discredit Paul and his Mm -hmm. gospel, and they start spreading a false gospel, Mm -hmm. basically saying that you have to be circumcised in order to be a true believer, to be saved, Mm -hmm. adding works to the gospel. So at this point, Paul's pretty upset. So what's interesting about the book of Galatians, in in most of Paul's letters, you see a pretty lengthy introduction, and he'll kind of compliment the people (laughs) a little bit, right? But the book of Galatians, he gives a real short intro, and then he comes in hot. He's mad. (laughs) He must have been a fiery guy. Yeah. He says in verse (laughs) 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Mm. 
He's saying, how can you so quickly turn? I just gave you the true gospel, and yet you're already turning. So he, he's pretty upset at this point, a pretty short greeting here. Any, any passages you want to point out here before we go any further? No, I would agree with you on this, though. Paul certainly seems to be a very frustrated man at this time. Yes, yeah. One verse that really stood out to me here in this first chapter was uh, verse 10. Paul says, for, I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what these false teachers were, were seemingly trying to do is they were trying to say that Paul was preaching a gospel that he received from man, mm-hmm. not from God. But Paul's saying, look, I'm not trying to please man. If I was trying to please man, then I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. He's saying these are incompatible goals. Either you're trying to please man or you're trying to please God. Mm. And we know where Paul falls on that yeah. side of the equation. But I was thinking about this from a kind of a devotional perspective. How often do I care more about what people think than what God thinks? Mm. We fall into that trap so often. So I just want to encourage us here to really take on this mindset of Paul and and live our lives for an audience of one and live in such a way that, that we have nothing to hide. You kind of get the sense here, Paul has nothing to hide. He's saying, I'm giving you the truth. I'm living for God, and I'll, I'll deal with whatever consequences mm-hmm. come my way. He's completely focused on his one task. Yes. Now, along with that, if you flip over to uh, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 11, you see kind of a, an application of what we just talked about, of living for man instead of God. So Peter, Paul kind of confronts Peter here. Peter had been... Um, eating with Gentiles. He'd been associating with Gentiles as he should have been. But then he, he kind of started to separate himself a little bit. And the reason why is because he was worried what other Jewish people would think of him for associating with these Gentiles. <laughs> so guess what Peter's doing? He's starting to care more about what man thinks mm-hmm. than what God thinks. So he's falling into the same kind of thinking that, that we often struggle with. Uh, so Again, this shows that we need to live to please God, not man, but it also shows these apostles weren't perfect either. No. That's why I like Peter. Yeah. You look at his life, he messed up quite a bit. <laughs> Peter kind of brings the realism sometimes. <laughs> sometimes Paul, I feel like he's he's up there, but Peter, he, he kind of brings it back down to <laughs> earth a little bit. So again, they have their they have their struggles, they have their disputes as well, but Paul calls him out on it. Again, Paul is showing he only cares what God thinks. He doesn't care even what Peter thinks of him. He wants to please God. Again, it makes me think, I know we talked about this in the last podcast, but it just shows how real the Bible is mm-hmm. because uh, they just spoke what was truth right. and what, what happened. I mean, if, if it was made up, I would be Peter saying, oh, Paul, don't put that in the letter. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> Why is it always me getting <laughs> looking Well, another very key passage here, I think, in the book of Galatians is also in in chapter 2, starting around verse 16. Paul says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. And then he goes on a little bit later in the same verse and says, Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And I I think this is really the, 
the key truth of yes. this letter. Because remember, as we said, he is trying to rebuttal these false teachers who came in behind him. Mm-hmm. And these false teachers were were saying basically that you had to add works to faith in order to be saved. Yes. But Paul's saying, no, no, we're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. Mm. Now, as we talked about last week, that doesn't mean that Paul is saying that our faith won't lead to works. He absolutely agrees with James. True faith always leads to works, but he's saying faith alone is what saves us. Mm-hmm. So that that is a very key idea, not only in this chapter, but in the in the whole book. So keep that in mind as you're as you're reading. Another another thing I thought was interesting here, Pastor Ryan, was in uh, in chapter two. There's really a decent amount of time between when Paul gets saved and when he goes on these missionary journeys. I don't know if you picked up on that at all. Yeah, it is quite a bit of time, isn't it? Yeah, it says there were three years, so Paul gets saved, and then there's three years before his first visit to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And that is most likely what's talked about in Acts chapter 9. And then there's 14 years before his next visit to Jerusalem. So now we're talking 17 plus yeah. years before he even goes on a missionary journey. And what he's doing when he goes to Jerusalem is he's meeting with the other apostles. He meets with Peter, with James, with John. And, and this is the same James that we just talked about yeah. who wrote the book of James. And he's, he's basically trying to verify what he's teaching, verify the gospel that he's teaching. Because remember, Paul didn't receive the gospel from man. He Jesus appeared directly to him. Yes. So he got the gospel directly from Jesus. Now he's saying, hey, are you guys teaching the same thing as I am? Yeah. But they actually, they confirm what Paul's doing. They affirm his message mm-hmm. and say, yes, you've been called to to the Gentiles. So that's interesting. But it's also interesting, again, how much time there is here. It seems kind of like Paul has this this time of preparation before he goes on these missionary journeys. So I think a lot of times in our minds we – we think Paul gets saved, and then next week he's going out planting churches. But it's a common not... mistake that people have. Yeah. In fact, you see many times uh, in the Scripture there seems to be a waiting stage. I mean, Moses had it. We think about Joseph. He had it. David had it. Mm-hmm. Um, even Jesus himself had this right. waiting stage. Right, yeah. Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old or, or around there. So it seems to be a very important time in God's life to do a, a work in a person before they're ready for ministry. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point because sometimes we may feel like God's not really saying much to us or, or we feel like we're kind of stuck. We're not getting any further direction from God. And I wonder if Paul even felt that way. Oh, yeah. You know, 17 years, clearly this he's a very passionate guy. Yep. He's a hard-headed guy. He's, he's a go-getter. He's probably not one to just sit around. And so you wonder what's going through his mind for these 17 years. Is he thinking, God, what do you want me to do? Hmm. Now, of course, I'm sure he's, he's doing things. He's active. We know, for example, that he went to the church in Antioch before he went on a missionary journey, and he made disciples there and taught for a year or more than a year at the church in Antioch. But it just makes you wonder what he was, what he was thinking during that time. He may have felt like he was kind of in a desert experience. I'm sure he did. I heard someone once say it this way. They felt that there was they had a call to ministry, but they went in this very silent time of their life. And I remember they shared it's almost as 
the way they saw it is you know how in a basketball game you you pick your players yeah it's almost like they said i was raising my hand and god was never picking me right but what had happened is god had put them in a very silent time to do a deeper work in their life yeah and you wonder how god was working through paul throughout these years because paul once he started going on these missionary journeys as we see in the book of acts he faced some horrible things yes suffering and not just physical suffering the physical suffering is pretty obvious but also just the the emotional and the the spiritual persecution that he faced it had to have been just unbelievably tough on him that's why when we get in second corinthians you're oh, going to just yeah. see just the humanity of paul and just the struggles that he's feeling yeah yeah so again sometimes god will kind of put us through a preparation phase before he reveals our next steps Sometimes he has to do a work inside of us mm-hmm. before we're ready for that next step. So anything else you want to add here on the book of Galatians? I'll just quickly add this. Uh, Galatians was a pretty important book in my life, especially in my college years. Uh, when I look at Galatians, it really the question is, how are we accepted by God? Mm. And I, in a very practical way, if you notice, what we'll start doing is we start adding to the gospel. Yeah. And we think if I do this and if I do that and I do this right. checklist, and obviously God's going to be very pleased with me. Right. And I think there's an error that it's very easy for us uh, to make is uh, what we'll start to do, and I talk about being legalism, mm-hmm. is you know the, the scripture says, for example, that we shouldn't lust. We know that that's a scriptural principle. Right. And I'm only using this as an illustration, but I, I've seen this in the past where people say, well, you know where you can lust a lot is going to movies. I mean, there's a lot of bad things on movies. Mm-hmm. And so what they'll do is to say, to protect me from lusting, I won't go to a movie. Mm-hmm. And so they put what we call up a fence. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's proper. I mean, if that's a conviction someone has. But then what we start to do is we begin to judge other people by that. Right. And the standard is no longer don't lust. The standard is don't go to movies. And that becomes the, the fence, the mm-hmm. principle. And what happens is God wants our heart, but what we often want to do is just do a checklist. Yep. I mean, you can go to church, you can read your Bible, but be far from God. Mm-hmm. We tend to add to the gospel sometimes without even realizing it. It's very, very easy It can be to very do. subtle. Very subtle. And I, I think part of why this happens is because we have a hard time believing that God can just accept us by faith. Yes. It seems like this has to be too good to be true. There has to be more. Mm-hmm. But that is the beauty of the gospel. And I think what happens is we start to think that we're saved by faith, but then our, what we call sanctification, our growing in Christ right. is by us doing, doing, doing. Right. And really what it is is a surrendering to God. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of us have a strong enough will to give up doing certain things. Right. But that brings no honor to God. Mm-hmm. What God wants us to do is submit to him, and then he gives us the strength and the ability to change us and transform us to make him um, overcome those sins. Right. Yeah, it's, it's really more of a, a posture. We're surrendering our lives yes. to him and, and letting him work through us. Yes. So he, he's the one who saves us, and he's the one who changes us. He gets all the glory in the end. Well, that's all for this week. So just to kind of sum up here with the book of Galatians, let's just kind of bring things home. So remember, the book of Galatians was written after Paul's first missionary journey, so late 40s AD. He's writing to basically kind of scold the Galatians for turning to this false gospel. Mm -hmm. These false teachers came in behind him after he returned from his first missionary journey. 
And really what he's doing here is he's defending the true gospel. He is. He's saying we are saved by faith alone, not by works. Yes. Faith alone is what saves us. Well, we'll talk more about Galatians in our next episode. But for now, remember, we want to help you get into the word until it gets into you. And we want to equip you so that you can be a world changer.